It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What will the Knicks look like this season? Can JaVale McGee improve enough to be a starter? How do Dave and I watch NBA games? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast, and simulcasting on Periscope as well. I'm joined, as always, by Dave Dufour, NBA. Dave, uh, and I thought, you know, we're going to do a little Legally changed my name. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, your name, we- right? Yeah, legally added NBA to my name. I mean, you know. Right. Your, your middle name will now be Dufour and your last name is NBA. That's, that is correct. Mr. NBA. Uh, Dr. NBA, perhaps, as you're working on that. So Yes. Uh, well, we have a, a little weird Friday afternoon podcast. We would normally release this on a Friday morning for the commute. But, hey, it's, it's the summer. Things are moving slowly. We, we nap now in the daytime, it sounds like. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's get to it. And I thought what we could do to begin with is – Let's start with a couple of questions right away and get people kind of in, in, interactive with the show. So, Dave, did you grab one already from uh, from Twitter? I did. I did. Um, uh, does the signing of Ramon Sessions to the Knicks say that Kyrie isn't going to wind up in New York? Nick, uh, you, you want to go ahead and take that? Right. But wait, we got to give a shout out to who asked that question. Do you see uh, that? I did not grab the name. Oh, darn. I'm well, the worst. It's out there. But um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the question then is, yes, does it have any effect on Kyrie going there or not? You know, Sessions has been kind of a career backup anyway, uh, and they lost Rose. So I don't know if there's a really big connection to that at all. I just, you know, that, that almost, it's a weird signing, but they needed probably somebody. Uh, actually, doesn't it kind of feel like it means they're not going to get Kyrie? Um, I don't think it should tell us anything. I mean, I, I think that uh, it's just a signing of a point guard that they need to make anyway. I think that that's where you're at. Like, they need a guy like Ramon Sessions. Um, I mean, you would hope you could get a better backup point guard, but whether they're running Nilakina out there or whether they're running out Kyrie, you know, uh, I think that uh, they they needed this signing anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it tells us anything. Okay. Well, I have a question I found on Twitter because it's weird, and maybe you can help me understand it. From Jefferson1x asks, or he says, the Ginobili versus D. Rose question, please. Make sure you get my Twitter handle. Okay, which I did. So what does that mean? What's the Ginobili versus D. Rose question? Would would the Cavs rather have uh, Manu Ginobili or or Derrick Rose? Oh, okay. I, I was unaware that Manu was even a possibility of even going to the Cavs. Is that a possibility? No, no. Okay, it's not a possibility. It's a weird question. Yes. Um, how did you get it? How, how did, oh, okay, because because Rose went to the Cavs already. That's why I think it's the Cavs. Right. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Jefferson. We're kind of confused so, by your question. It's a weird question. Um, I think that if if all things being equal, you have both guys one year at cheap money. Um, I think Rose can play more. Manu, like during the regular season, Manu's not going to give you 25 minutes a night, and Derrick Rose in 
in theory is. Uh, so yeah, it's a weird question, but I, I think that I think that the Cavs did well to sign Derrick Rose. I think it was a good signing. Oh, um, okay. Well, you know, we could talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, like, think about it, man. Like, it'll be it'll be the most space he's ever operated in, ever. And he can still get to the hoop. We saw that last year. Um, he's not a good spot up shooter, but he can get to the basket. And I think that you know, even when LeBron James is out there, like it, this is going to be more shooting than he's ever played with. So I think this is a good thing. And at two point one million dollars, it is a tremendous value. He, he, you know, he's worth more than that. They got him for dirt cheap, and I think you know, like on a one year deal, no risk. Yeah, I think it was a good signing. Right. Well, I mean, remember, you know, that this this is probably meaning that Kyrie is gone, right? Is that like Rose is going to start? I hope not. I mean, if you're Cleveland, you have to hope not. Uh, you have to hope that you're going to get a guy like Bledsoe or something like that. Um, but I think what Rose does is it makes it so that if you do lose Kyrie and you don't get Bledsoe back, you could get a caretaker type point guard. You get someone who's, you know, middle of the pack and then upgrade on the wing and you're still not losing too much production out of the point guard spot. Okay, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, t- uh, th- uh, chain of events going on here with Cle- Cleveland because, you know, uh, of all the teams that did well or did not do well or didn't do anything in the offseason, like the Cavs really have done nothing. Uh, I guess the Rose signing is something, but uh, they have a turmoil on their hands. And it's the team that's arguably the best team of all time that did the best moves of all, you know, in, on the offseason. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it was not great. Um so while we were talking about Kyrie, um, New York Sports Guys 5 asked, do we think Kyrie and Kristaps Porzingis would be a good duo? I actually think I think they would be great together. Wait, KP and who? And Kyrie. Yeah. Oh, no, that would be – I mean, certainly that would be really fun on offense. I mean, I guess the only problem is, is Kyrie – does he pass? Like, is he the guy that's going to be a gunner the whole time, or we, or is he going to be the guy that's going to facilitate and kick out on those pick and rolls? Uh, you know, I don't know. Kyrie might be a little rusty. I mean, I feel like aside from the ISOs he gets in Cavaliers' offense, I don't know. Like, does he get a lot of traditional one-five pick and rolls out top with Cleveland? He gets a few, but no, it's not what they do with him is not what you would do if he was in New York. Yeah, like right in New York, they'd be doing it a, a whole lot. Like maybe a little bit of movement into that. Uh, yeah, listen, Kyrie is awesome. He's, a, he's an all-star. He is a, uh, you know, maybe just short of a franchise player. And uh, anywhere he goes, uh, he should be able to hook up with, you know, the other star of that team and do really well. Uh, I have a good question here on Twitter, which is from Mibang um, Jenny, Greg Mapofu, uh, Coach MGM, says, would a 4-5 pick and roll uh, or a pick and pop game between AD and Boogie be effective? I mean, theoretically, yeah. Boogie's actually a pretty good ball handler, and I think he could do a lot with those two. Um, yeah, I think yes is the answer. I, I, I like weird stuff, right? And certainly the guy, who, uh, whoever's guarding Boogie, if he's the ball handler, would probably not really be used to getting screened by the ball. Um, you know, you have a guy switching off of AD onto Boogie who's probably somewhat big, um, which... I suppose helps to some degree. Maybe someone slower that you know Boogie can kind of try and attack. Maybe, but so I don't know. It's an interesting thing, right? I could think about that. You could switch that and maybe not lose too much, um, right? You know, because so you're going to have, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I I think in theory it's good because you got two good offensive players, but um, we'll have to see it. Yeah, part of me almost feels like they'd be they'd be better playing in opposition. 
So like if on either side is the floor and then balancing that out, uh, that's a little bit of a traditionalist in me. So I, I might be, you know, getting tied to my roots too much. So, but certainly very intriguing. And I think we're going to see it a little bit, but I don't know. I feel like we hear about some fun stuff like that in the off season or when they get traded and then all of a sudden the games go and it's just, they don't do it. So we'll right. see. They've got, they'll both be posting up. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got a couple of Kings questions. Um, Slick Top Shot 26 asks, uh, how will De'Aaron Fox fit in the Kings lineup? I, I'm assuming he's going to be coming off the bench because they signed George Hill. Um, I think that De'Aaron Fox is a good player who could fit with any young athletic team. Do you agree with that, Nick? De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Love Fox. Him. Yeah. Love him. I think um, he's going to be really good. And Sporty Matt asks uh, – if we think the Kings will make the playoffs this year, and that is a hard no, definitely okay. not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's too many teams all bunched up in that. The weird thing about that is it's like it's really hard to kind of call the Western Conference with any kind of order because that like fifth through eighth or fifth through tenth is really tough. It's all bunched up, right? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tricky, but I think that the Kings are down lower, you know, than they're like in the bottom three rather than. Fighting for the eighth seed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was doing my whole thing. I'm looking at it, and I wrote a lot of lists of where I thought, like, most of the teams were going to be uh, of the top eight in the Western Conference, and I forgot to put the Timberwolves in there. Yeah. I mean, I, look, you and I talked about this a little bit. I think one of the three between Houston, OKC, and Minnesota isn't going to perform the way that we expect, and I okay. think Minnesota is the most likely to, to underperform. Wait, I'm sorry, between OKC, Minnesota, who's the third team? And Houston. And Houston. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think I think oh, I think Minnesota is the least likely to to perform up to expectations. What about Utah? Well, Utah is going to drop off without Hayward, and um, you know, I, I I like Donovan Mitchell a lot, but I don't know if he's going to be ready to to kind of step into those shoes. Um, so they're definitely going to have a drop off. I mean, they also. Don't forget, Boris Diaw is not there anymore, and he played he played huge minutes for them. So, yes, that is true. Uh, well, Boris Diaw is not there. Uh, Bo- uh, Gordon Hayward is not there. Uh, yeah, so I'm con- I'm a little bit concerned. I feel like it's a pretty big disruption for them. So it might not go as smooth- smoothly as they hope. Even if I hope that Rodney Hood will assume the mantle and really do well. Uh, I mean, I know Trey Lyles has gone too. That didn't really do much. Interesting story there because he felt it was felt very promising with him uh, two years ago, and uh, and could not build on that for whatever reason. So um, yeah, it's a. It, I, I don't think anyone's gonna be able to tell you with any with any with a straight face that, that what they what the Western Conference is gonna look like uh, aside from the top two or three. It just right. It just it just it's too hard. I don't think anyone can figure it out yet. Yeah, I mean, I, even the Spurs. Um there, there's an argument to be made that they got worse, uh, especially when it was for the playoffs, right? Because losing Jonathan Simmons is a big deal, and they stayed big. And the rest of the league is, you know, just mm-hmm. more flexible than they are. So, right. um, is it, Will it be an Alec Burks coming out party <clears throat> finally? Do we get to see like his full potential as uh, Neff? Is he going to be healthy? Asks? What? Is he going to be healthy? That's, right. So that's always been the problem with him. I mean, I think Rodney Hood. We're, Rodney Hood is going to be in the running for most improved. I think he's got a good shot at scoring like twenty five points a game. I mean, they're they're going to be running a lot of stuff for him. Um, right. Oh, but I, oh, I didn't know you were on Rodney Hood Island with me. Yeah, it's not an island though. I think a lot of people are, are with Rodney. Really? Hood. I think Rodney Hood might have been the 
like he was the best guy at Duke when he was there with Okafor. Let's put it that way. Uh, he had okay. been a better number three pick. Okay, I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. feel like I feel if, I feel so lonely out there in my Rodney Hood mama tweet. Oh, dump. I love I love Rodney Hood, man. That's right. my guy. Okay, well, yeah, you know. I think he makes it so that you don't miss Hayward as much. That's obviously the goal or the point or the hope, I suppose, certainly for the Jazz fans. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. So I have a good question here on uh, from Twitter from Ryan Hicks asks, is there anyone in free agency you're surprised hasn't been signed? Ian Clark, maybe. I will throw a little bit of a plug. I just did a, you know, a JaVale McGee video that was written as if he hadn't signed yet. And it was confused why he hadn't signed. Of course, literally, as I hit the upload button, he's re-signs with the Warriors. But... Um, so Ian Clark was his, his suggestion for, like, a free agent where surprise isn't signed. Uh, yeah, he's probably the top of the list as far as, you know, you'd be surprised he hadn't gotten his 8 or $9 million, right? Um, well, now that we've seen what the market is, I'm not shocked that he's right. not gotten 8 or $9 million. Uh, But if you'd told me this in the middle of the season, I definitely would have thought it was weird. Um, yeah, Ian Clark's probably the most surprising because of his age and and the type of player he is i think that that's that's kind of surprising um you know it's funny because i actually yesterday on my podcast predicted that uh that javel was going to sign re-sign with the warriors too so that's really funny huh well you, i wish yeah. you would i guess i needed to listen to that one i would have heard i would at least kept there my you eye go open. i was so busy editing i didn't even think to look and then bam but you know what hey it actually still works um and it was kind of a cool video because we talk about like what he would need to do from a fundamental standpoint to improve. And it's just a question of, you know, I think that like fundamentals to him must represent some really like horrible experience he doesn't want to deal with. Maybe he had a coach that like was so you know horrible to him early on or something. Uh, so it requires somebody that can communicate in a very specific way to him and get him motivated to want to do some footwork drills, some posture, some core, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if he did that, man, he'd unlock a lot of stuff that he'd be a starter in a second. Yeah, Although absolutely. he's got asthma. Apparently he's got asthma, and I, I guess I forgot about that. But even if he has asthma, he should still be able to cobble together 20 minutes a game instead of less than 10. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dr. Dizzy, Dr. Drizzy Drew asks, uh, are Sabonis and Oladipo part of Indiana's long-term plan with Miles Turner? I hope so. I mean, you know, they did trade Paul George for him, and uh, uh, Oladipo's locked into a four-year deal uh, at twenty-one million a year. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I agree. Uh, that's that makes sense to me. I have a really good one. You ready for this one? Yes. Ping says asks, should the Cavs trade Kyrie to the Lakers for Ingram just to piss Kyrie off? Oh, just to piss Kyrie off next year when LeBron signs there. <laughs> or I was going to say just to piss LeBron off when he wants to sign there and Kyrie's already there. You know what? All right. So while I, I don't think that's a serious question, I will say it opens up another conversation. And, and there's a lot of people that have theorized that Paul George wasn't traded to uh, the Cavs or to the Celtics because the Pacers didn't want to trade him to someone in division. That's horseshit. These teams don't they don't operate like this. They they want to get the best package that they can for these guys. I mean, so like just anytime you think something like that or anytime you hear something like that, go ahead and discount it because it's just not true. Like what's the difference between playing a guy two times a year, which is every team, or four times a year? It's not who cares. Who I mean, cares? Well, isn't there some idea about like they're gonna meet in the playoffs and now you now, made them better? 
Okay, now for trading Kyrie to Boston, yeah. that makes sense because you would be improving Boston. That makes sense because you do have to worry about that. Yeah. But but with Indiana, Indiana's not going to be a competitor for a while. They know this. They're not stupid people there. You know, uh, like they they have smart guys there. Um, they don't they don't care. They wanted to get the best package they could. And they just so happen to have a guy who, you know, when you're a team like Indiana, it's it's a small market. They brought back Mr. Indiana, Victor Oladipo, and so that's a that's a big marketing thing for them. That's a guy that they can take to their season ticket holders, and they can say, "Hey, look, you know what? He's a decent young player, but he's Mr. Indiana, and now we can build around him and Miles Turner. And Sabonis is not a bad player either. So, yeah, yeah, just yeah. get that conversation out of there." Fair enough. Uh, I mean, it all makes sense to me. I mean, I feel like, um, yeah, it, it's been a very strange uh, offseason as it is because we've seen some of these deals that just don't make a lot of sense either way, I, even if it wasn't the, you know, the notion of, like, not helping a team or not. Uh, I do like, though, the Kyrie to Boston is a really fascinating potential deal. Um, but that, And again, like, then you know, do the Cavs want to make it that much harder on themselves? Because they're going to meet probably in the conference finals. But, um, you know... That they're probably the only team that would offer anything remotely close to what the Cavaliers want, anyway, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it's possible. It's possible they definitely have a lot to offer. Like I actually think that if if Boston winds up trading Crowder, they get they get worse. I think Jay Crowder. Like I understand that I I'm alone on Crowder Island. Like I mean he is my I think he's my favorite player. I thought about this the other day because someone asked me and I was like it might be Jay Crowder. I just I love everything he does. Um, so I, I may be alone on this Island, but I think that, that he is so important for what they do. And, uh, yeah, although I, I will say that, um, uh, semi Ojale is sort of like a, like a, J, a bigger Jay Crowder, which is kind of crazy to say. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, if, if Crowder's gone, that maybe they get, you know, um, some more playing time for those younger guys, and you know. But again, you don't want to be competing for the, you know, the Eastern Conference with a rookie and a second-year player that, at that forward spot necessarily. So I, I was on, you know, I was all alone. I felt like on Crowder Island a couple of years ago, and then I kind of got tempered the last year. But I feel like he was banged up too in a way that uh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. judge him as much from the, the last uh, from the playoffs. But uh, right. yeah, I, I love him. I think he's a tough guy too. He's probably a great teammate in a way that, that you need that stuff. But. Um, yeah, it's a really intriguing thing. What else well, do you also have, with, for well, also for Boston, they, yeah. they've got so many young guys. Yeah. They've got Jalen Brown, they've got Jason Tatum, they've got uh, Ojale, they've got Yabuselli, they've got Zizic. That's like five guys who are rookie or second year players. You you can't just go and give up Isaiah Thomas and, and Crowder for Kyrie. I think that that's too much. Yeah, it's close. It's close. Because man, do they need a guy like Kyrie? I, he'd be he'd be okay, but no. also like, would he stop the ball more? You know, no, but like they can figure that out. But I, I'm talking like what they need. If you look at the Celtics and take a step back, and what they need is like, okay, Hayward is a step in the direction, but Kyrie is like the the the, the fit, like offensively right. at the very least, but, it's really a good fit. But I is he think. a guy that you gut your assets and and you know your flexibility for? I don't. I, don't, Wait, I just what, don't what do you think say, so. Crowder and who? Well, there's a lot of people that are throwing out like Isaiah Crowder, uh, Brown or Tatum, and the Nets pick, and that no, just feels like no. too much. Yeah, I would just, maybe do Isaiah and the Nets pick. No, or I I would almost do Isaiah 
and Crowd or Isaiah Crowder and the pick, and not like that third player. You know, I I, I might I might get that's about as absolute far as I would possibly go. Uh, but that was it. Yeah, I, listen, yeah. I, I love Isaiah, um, but I feel like yeah, you know what? I don't know. Like yeah, like do you get how much more value? Right? Do you get between Isaiah versus Kyrie? That is a good question, actually. Um, well, if you're just judging by last year, yeah, same. Isaiah Isaiah was, I mean, statistically was better. Yeah, he was more efficient. And and there's an argument to be made that the better situation for a guy like Isaiah would even be, you know, kind of being able to play off the ball more like he could in Cleveland. So um, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, now, the, the big thing with Isaiah is you have to think about what happens next summer. Right. If you if you trade Kyrie for him now, this is where the Cavs have some interesting options, because if they were to make a trade like that and get a guy like, let's say, Isaiah Thomas right on a one year deal. Um, if LeBron leaves next summer, it's very easy to just let everybody walk and start over. Yeah, that's not true. you know, it's not hard. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's a, it's going to be an interesting right. uh, month but when, before yeah, Kyrie gets traded. When Kyrie is engaged, I will say like he can play really good defense, and we've seen you know under the highest pressure moments he's done that in the finals. So. Uh, and, and that's probably the thing that, you know, Isaiah simply will never give you. So there's a potential there from Kyrie uh, with the Brad Stevens mind meld, perhaps, to get better defensive uh, you know, output. And then, and then you're pretty much, you know, half a six, six of one, half a dozen of the other with, with the offensive output because they're both very similar, I think. Um, yeah. So that's a really interesting uh, – that would be interesting. And so now you're just talking about contracts, like the length and right. that kind of stuff. So uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, All right, I have so a here's, good question. Oh, you oh have one? okay, go ahead. I have one, but you go first. All right, I got one from uh, KB824. I don't know what that means. Uh, who do you guys have for Rookie of the Year? And who does who does better, the Chicago Bulls or the Brooklyn Nets? A two-parter. He got two questions in there and 140 characters. Good for you. Pretty good. Um, I, I'll start with the Nets one. I think the Nets wind up being better than the Bulls. Um, and Rookie of the Year, I'm sticking with my, with my pick. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be the Rookie of the Year. All right. You, you like to color in the, in the lines too when you when you use your crayons. Uh, yeah. Stay right in those lines. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, that, that, interesting. You think the Nets are going to do better than the Bulls? So you're thinking that the Bulls are cratering. Uh, yeah. I, I, rightly so. They should. Yeah. I mean, Wade is still around. For now, but I, I do For believe now. that they're going to engineer a buyout. Yeah. All right. Now, okay. So that's I could see them going from what were they, what were they eighth or seventh? What do they make? They barely make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, the they Bulls. were. So, okay, so that's easy to see them dropping X amount of games. Now you got to figure, okay, are the Nets going to move up in the end? What do they do? They, they, they added D'Angelo Russell, and they also picked up uh, – the really good pickup I liked was uh, Crabb. Yep, Alan Crabb. Karis LeVert, year two, is gonna, he was looking good at Summer League. Um, they also got Jared Allen, who I like a lot at the five. Um, so, yeah, I think they got, they got significantly better. I mean, that – we talked about this a little bit when when Boston wouldn't trade that Nets pick for next year. We talked about how, you know, it's risky because the Nets could get better and you may not have a number one pick next year. It's oh, not guaranteed. Right. And I think that they've done that. I still think they're one of the three worst teams in the East, but they're better. And and oh. as a matter of fact, I think D'Lo is going to score enough that he's probably going to make an all-star uh, team and probably be in the running for most improved. Oh, so you'd be advising the Celtics <laughs> to get that rid of that pick right tomorrow. I would deal that pick if you could, if you could get a, a good return. I mean, because either way, even having a top five pick is still good, especially in next year's draft, which 
the first like five or six guys are going to be fantastic. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on the Nets. I went through some of their footage recently, and uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard to tell because the, it was such a f- in flux and they weren't trying to win or whatever they weren't trying to do. Right? They, they weren't trying to lose necessarily either, I guess. But either way, it was, uh, I really did not like what I saw in, in their offense. Really didn't like it. So um, hopefully they can get that sorted out, get their roster settled better now that they have, will have a full training to camp with all these guys. If they, if they stay healthy. But again, all, a big if for all those different things. But keep your eye on that. And then as far as the rookie of the year, yeah, I mean, I, I got to go either Dennis Smith. I mean, Lonzo Ball, in my mind, would be the only other guy that was it's going to get so much of a run that he'll get the numbers. Um, so, you know, I guess just to be oppositional, I'll, I'll go with Lonzo. Uh, you know, uh, Dennis Smith is going to sprain his ankle in the first week of the season and miss two months. And, uh, and, and go. that could be a thing, and right? Like, horrible. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. I don't mean to say no, that. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, but, but that is a, that's a good point. It's so much about what happens in the first two months. It's all about that narrative. You know, people think Brandon Ingram had a, had a bad season last year because he was bad for two months. He actually had a decent – he was good the last couple months. I mean, yeah. not like – he was not like an all-star level player, but he was pretty good. Um, but people don't know that because, you know, the average fan – really only pays attention to the first two months, and then the analysts kind of just harp on what they saw for the first two months. Not everybody's watching all the games like us, Nick. Oh, boy. Do we already have that talk? <laughs> wait, what Wait, what talk? Oh, no. Oh, maybe not. Never mind. Uh, you know, just the notion of uh, the, 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 the probably what I would deem the sheer impossibility of watching every game. Oh, yeah. No, see, I'll tell you – for, for the people listening and, and watching on Periscope, here's my process. The best teams, I watch every game. So, like, I watched all 82 Warriors games. I turn them off once they become a blowout, right? And yeah. then I'll watch something else. So I watched, I watched uh, what, 65 or so of the Cavs because you, you're not seeing much from them during the regular season. I watched a lot of the Spurs just because, you know, that's, like, my guilty pleasure. Like, that's what I love to do. So I watch like 70 Spurs games. The bad teams, I watch them when they play the good teams, and that's right. about it. And uh, you I did only watch about a quarter or two of that. Exactly. And I did but I did watch all 31 of Joel Embiid's games. Yeah. That was must-watch television for me. So yeah. it, it really like it is impossible to watch every single game. I and and I sometimes I've watched the condensed versions, right? Like on on the uh, NBA app. I definitely have done that, but I think that there's something to be said for trying to watch as much as you can, doing your best. There's t- tons of people that only watch highlights, and that's why they don't they don't know anything about half these teams. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is it is physically impossible to watch every single game. I tried. I think you and I talked about this last year. The first week of the season, I watched every single game. It was I I mean I was fried. Yeah. I was good for nothing. Right. So, and that's uh, as if you know, if you're doing anything else during the day, you know, yeah. normal things. You have no, it's like, we, yeah. we calculated that. I mean, I almost can do it again. We did 82 games. Uh, no, it's 82 times 15 because they, they play each other times 48, whatever that was, and, and then divided by 20, whatever. It ended up, you know, yeah. it was hundreds of hours, I think. And I, I mean, I guess there's a, there are enough hours in the day, but like to stream them all together and stay on top of it. Um, it's every single day you have to be watching hours and hours. I just don't know. Yeah. You know, anyway. I watch now. Here's the thing. I mean, the, the truth is I probably watch nine hours of basketball a day during the season. Wow. I do. Yeah. I watch a lot. 
That might because, be more than I do, by the way. Well, so I, I watched I watch, I, I pick two games, right? Uh, an early game and a late game. And then I'll have one that I'm kind of flipping back and forth because, you know, they start staggering it, right? So I'll, I'll consider that watching three games at once. And then I'll watch a game after the late game. I'll go and watch. I'll pick one of the early games to watch. And then I usually will watch uh, – watch a game in the morning while I'm reading and stuff like that. So I'm not paying as much attention to the one in the morning, but that's when I'd save like, Oh, it's the, it's the 76ers. It's the Hornets live on whatever local station, right? Like, and that's, that's when I'll watch that. But, um, yeah. And then, and then you and I last year, we would have a conversation about something and you would see something that I didn't see. And so then I'd make a point. I'd go watch that. Right. And so that's that's where having like a good partner, like someone you trust, like Nick, can actually enhance my my viewing experience, because then I could go back and I can say, you know what, I didn't get to see that. So let me watch and I can just go on Synergy or whatever and I could pull up. Oh, OK, right. I need to watch these possessions or whatever. Well, so full disclosure, as you're t- calling me a good partner for you, I uh, I just I'm I'm calling you out on Twitter saying that I don't believe you watch nine hours of basketball a day. So really, it's out there. That's crazy. Did Why didn't you say it on the? Oh, you, now you're saying I it on, on the I lit you on fire. I don't know what's going to happen on Twitter <laughs> now, but you know. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's wrong. You you can you can definitely ask my wife. I have a basketball widow. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know what? Well, maybe, you know what? Maybe you know what? Why don't we do one where you bring your wife on, and I'll bring my wife on, and oh. we'll have dueling <laughs> banjos. I don't know what we'll have. Well, how many <laughs> how many hours a day do you watch of basketball? Well, now, I remember, know, I'm talking – I watch it – this is all day. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm much more hyper-focused. I'm, I'm going to go watch, like, all of uh, Ball's pick and rolls for the last week. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like I can't tell you how many games I watch. I can tell you how many clips I watch a day. Like, that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. I know you watch a ton of clips. I mean, yeah. it, like, it's impossible to do what you do and to do it as well without right. watching a ton of clips. And, but, I, and I should probably do more just, like, watching games and, you know, turning tuning my brain off and just kind of just watching and enjoying it. I kind of need maybe some opiates or something to do that because I don't know how else to relax my brain and, and not, you know, see the matrix of X's and O's. But yeah. uh, hey, maybe hey, maybe this year we'll do something different and we'll try it differently. I mean, we had some live shows where we're watching games and cracking wise and stuff. Maybe I'll do more yeah. of that. But I, you know, I will tell you right now, during those live shows where we were, like when I was hanging out, yeah, right. Uh, I definitely was paying much less attention to the game than I normally do. Like, I know. That's why it was sucked. Like, I really didn't know what happened, and I couldn't, I couldn't give any – after the game was over, I'm like, well, what, what just happened? Which, by the way, happens when I'm also doing my live analysis of like, the playoff games. I'm so racing to get the videos and post them on Twitter, and next thing you know, it's like, I don't know what happened in the game, and I can't take a step back. So, you know, we'll keep figuring out and playing with it as far as covering this stuff. But um, Yeah. But I mean, I'm always open to improving my, my process, and it got better as the year went on. I mean, this was only last year was my first year really doing this yeah. in this capacity. Like, I wasn't doing anything media before, and I actually watched games for the enjoyment of watching basketball, which is a novel concept. It uh, is. I wish I could do that. So yeah, it, it definitely I, I got better as the season progressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I w- I'm going to watch eight or nine hours of basketball a day anyway if i can you know so it's it's you know it's the best thing in the, on the planet as far yeah. as entertainment goes so um yeah i'm gonna watch a ton so uh yeah I'm, I'm interested now now i'm gonna start picking your brain and figure out what you're watching and try to watch the same stuff uh okay See feel free to pick goes. away i mean i, I might want to start doing some WNBA this summer i've been threatening to do that for years so good it's so good all right you'll, you'll have to help me to figure out who i should spotlight or look at because i want to get yeah. this one done i'll and, tell you and, what 
Yeah. Do a Diana Taurasi. I like um, her. Yeah. Okay. Diana Taurasi is so good. Just do like uh, an epic Diana Taurasi video, like her yeah, career or whatever. Her whole do her whole career. I mean, like she's just, you know, she's the Michael Jordan of of women's basketball, and right. uh, she's just. She's fantastic. And Milos for Rookie of the Year. All right. Hey, uh, good call, Aaron. I don't uh, think he's going to get minutes, the minutes. Yeah. It's too bad. But you never know. Like Patrick Beverly, oh, God, he could get hurt. Sorry, Patrick. I don't mean that. But, you know, what's to say? All of a sudden, he's going to have to get in there and do emergency starting and get, he's getting, you know, 30 minutes a game, right? Like, he could, that guy, if he got 30 minutes a game, I think he could average 10 assists. Milos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and remember, just, he's considered a rookie, right? <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, anyway, we we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, let's see here. Well, are we? Do we have any other questions? Because I, I think you know this is a great pod. Without having to talk about any of the retreaded, uh, you know, we just we just about. went off the rails on on how we watch games. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about that real quick. And not just do you watch games or or how much you watch games. When you're watching games, do you like? Are you taking notes? I used to a lot more than I do now, and my notes tend to be kind of like whatever I'm tweeting out. I can go back and look at those later and see what I've sort of analyzed. But uh, when, when I do do a live show with you, when we do that, I'll take notes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. How about you? So Yeah, so I, I take notes. I actually, th- this year I'll be using the iPad to take notes um, instead of paper. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm taking it out of my little text edit you know, thing. But yeah. still, um, you're, you're, but you're doing it, you're thumbing it, huh? Yeah, uh, so, well, no, I'll be writing. With, oh, with, look at that. Right. Yeah, that's right. And so, because um, I'm trying to incorporate my iPad Pro into my workflow okay. a little bit and, more. And for the audio people, uh, Dave held up a stylus that goes with the yeah, iPad. Yeah, Apple Pencil. Apple, um, me, Apple Pencil. Yeah, right, which we could, get, them to could get us. Yeah, yeah, I definitely need an Apple sponsorship. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm taking notes, and then, uh, of course, the tweeting, right? Like, so a lot of times... I'm I'm just like you. I, I'll go back through those tweets and then um and and oftentimes those are my notes. So that's pretty funny that we actually kind of do a similar thing. Um, and I you know I talked so I talked to some scouts at summer league about what they do, and one of their big things is that like they all had different different ways that they did it. There was five different guys. They all do it a different way. Um, their big thing was just figuring out what works for you. One guy said he's, he never looks down at his notepad, but he's taking notes the whole time. And another guy said he never takes notes when he's watching the game live. He waits until he watches the tape at night, oh. which I think is, you know, really, really interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, I mean, I, it's hard. So he's watching and writing at the same time and not looking down. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a skill, man. Yeah, because I don't know how you read that later on. But uh, then again, I was an art major. We used to do like blind contour drawings, so I guess that's part of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, I'm, The whole scouting thing is a real conundrum to me, and I think that it deserves a serious overhaul. I think we need to look at this in a, in a different way. The more and more I hear scouts talk at like Pro Scout School, the more I'm thinking, you know, I, I, not, not that I want to, you know, have their whole uh, industry just destroyed or disbanded, but... There's just something that I think like is a more efficient way to do it, and I haven't quite put my finger on it yet. Um, you know, and a lot of it has to do with going there, right? And I think it's almost sympathetic to them how much they have to jam to travel. It sounds horrible, um, and I really feel like the reasons they end up giving for why they have to be in the arena aren't compelling to me. 
in a way right. that they could easily do their job from anywhere they were. And it would just be, you know, imagine the efficiency you can get your job done if you're not in a plane for three hours, uh, six hours Sure, a day. if you're just watching tape. But I think that for a lot of this stuff, especially for the college scouts, it's important because yeah. you may not have the network of people that you can contact to get like character references and things like that. Yeah, you you yeah. need to have some interaction, you know, with not just the coaching staff, like personally, but also with player. And, you know, so much of what they do is human intelligence. It's it's a lot of, you know, getting to know people so that they can get information like Woj would probably be an amazing scout because I like he's got this network, this human information network. And that to me, from the scouts I know, that's their biggest the best tool in their tool bag is that human intelligence network that they've kind of developed where they can call a guy and say, Hey, you know, you coached against such and such an AAU, um, or you coach this guy at a camp or whatever. Uh, what do you think about him? Who, who, who should I, who should I reach out to, to get like a really good feel of who he is as a person? And especially with the young guys, cause you know, you think about what the Kings have done and you, you and I talked about this quite a bit. They wanted to make an organizational culture change. And you look at the guys that they drafted and, Right. That's why they drafted them. So, you know, I think that 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 part of it, the on the ground work is still important. Um, but I'm with you. I, I wish that they could, if they could fix the work life balance part of it, I would be extremely interested in being a scout. Yeah, I, I hear you. So, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I would be either. But I would be. But certainly, yes, it would make it a little bit more palatable because it's insane. And just like family destroying and like, you know, life destroying to, to travel that much and have to work that hard for what they'd get. So, uh, but it's certainly not that hard to have a conversation with you on the NBA, and you, there's no need for any kind of culture changing uh, on this end. I think we've got a good culture going, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we need a, a culture change. Right. Work I'm not hard, sure. Work smart. Are, are you trying to trade me to ESPN? Right. No, I got some calls coming in. I got to know. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what I should say to them. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we need some more. So, you need some more character references. Here. Hey, real, real quick. Uh, somebody just asked a question kind of related to, to watching film. Do you and this is I think this is a good question for you. Do you ever get kind of fried watching clips and, and film? Are you asking me that or someone asking you that? I, someone asked in the in the chat. I modified it. Okay. I, I, I want to know, because uh, I have this occasionally. Yeah. It happened like, to I, me uh, this past year a lot more than normal. Um, and yeah. I, you might have even noticed, like, if you're looking at my YouTube feed, like, they were, I had gaps where I was just like, I, I just couldn't get stuff done, even though I was working on it. I was just spinning my wheels, spinning my wheels, and just, like, couldn't concentrate on it. So, yeah, I, I was getting fried uh, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I'm going on a vacation for a couple of weeks in, in August, and that's really going to help. But, again, that's – it's still get back into September, October. So I tend to be working really hard until the season starts, and then it's all all hell breaks loose. So, um, you know, it's, told, it's for I, sure. I told you that I, I started taking weekends off, um, like starting in March. Yeah. Because I was just, I was just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, especially for nine from, hours a day. Yeah. I mean, from, from November until uh, the, you know, like the middle to end of February, I'm also coaching a team. So, so I was coming right. home, watching the late game, watching the early game, the next morning watching, you know, another game, then getting my practice plan ready. You know what I mean? Like, so I was just, it was just impo an impossible schedule. This year, I'll be much smarter about it. I'll probably watch less basketball this year than last year. Yeah, just got, I've got a better handle on how to do it. Like, I can do it smarter. Um, cutting out commercials is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Those so, damn commercials, uh, those damn ads that you have to watch. Uh, speaking of which, the worst. Harry's Razors. Yeah, 
aren't they? Uh, Audible's coming up soon. We got to get them on. So, and don't forget, uh, you know, I just uh, did a really great shooting video that anybody can buy uh, over on Vimeo, uh, Vimeo.com slash like Bball Breakdown. Look that up. You'll find it. It's fit over 15 minutes of great stuff. Dave helped me film some of it, or a lot, film, helped me film it, period. And um, definitely check that out. And um, I don't know. Great talk. I think we're going to, you know, do my usual. Well, so really quick, uh, guys listening to the podcast or and, and gals listening to the podcast, go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Okay. It makes such a huge difference for the visibility. And like when we go to sponsors, that stuff is important. They, like, they want to see hundreds of reviews for this podcast. And, you know, like we have – we have a lot of listeners and not a lot of reviews, so we maybe that's on us. We haven't done a good enough job of kind of doing right. a call to action. But yeah. please help us out, and uh, especially now during the summer, because um, you know we, we need to carry this momentum into the next season. Yeah, and also there was a really great, a lot of great questions we didn't get to in the Periscope. Hit us up on Twitter, and we can answer them there for you because they're really good stuff. So uh, again, thanks for coming on the show, Dave, with me today and uh, sharing some thoughts. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win? You win, Dave? Until I'm traded for cash considerations. <laughs> <laughs>